welcome this afternoon, everyone, to this episode of Life Hurts, God Heals. So glad that you're here with us. My name is Chris Woolwind, here to reflect on life, reflect on biblical thoughts, trying to determine what may be some of God's answers for us as we deal with life's hurts and the hurts that come out of the complexities of of life. And boy, is our nation in a world of hurt right now. Normally, we would begin our show with some light-hearted trivia and 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 so forth, but I just don't think it is appropriate today, appropriate this week. We really should be about prayer and asking God for help, asking God for answers, for strength, for healing. Oh Lord, the woundedness that is in our country. Uh, I think it is beyond description. I mean, I'm kind of an old guy, but uh, and I've experienced quite a bit. In fact, I've even been in a riot myself, uh, caught in one when I was in high school. It is a terrifying ordeal. And so as we uh, approach uh, today's topic, I just want us to be thinking uh, God's thoughts when it comes to brokenness and the brokenness of our world. We have come out, slowly coming out of a quarantine of our country, and as the world uh, tries to break free from what they feel like are chains for the purpose of safety and health, it becomes apparent that we can't do that very long without feeling uh, in bondage, so to speak, imprisoned. And the breaking out uh, was certainly, you know, probably a breath of fresh air for many, many thousands, not knowing the dangers that might uh, come as a result in terms of this pandemic virus. We, We simply don't know enough about it, do we? But as people are breaking out, then we have this terrible uh, killing of a man by a police officer and a group of police officers who participated in in this. And uh, I I just want to pray for the ending of the violence. And so before we begin the show, can I just take a moment and do that? Father in heaven, you see the pain in our nation. You see the hurt lives. You see the anger. And even out of that anger is some real pain. And there's a lot of crime and damage and destruction going on in, in the lives of people as a result of this incident. And, and Father, our, our whole country is upside down and blaming each other as they search for answers trying to bring unity and resolve. And yet, Father, we know as believers you are the answer. You are the one. And we know that you are able to turn a nation toward you. We've seen it in history. We've seen it certainly in the biblical accounts. You're able to chart the waters 
for nations, for peoples, for kings, and certainly for presidents. And Lord, we ask for your help and your touch upon people's lives. And for those of us who are not a part of this, help us to become a people of prayer, asking for your help. We know, Lord, that you are very active in our world. You are not idle in any of this. You are working through the evil, through the brokenness, to bring about salvation, deliverance, hope and healing. And we just ask for more and more of that, Father. More and more, please, Lord. We trust you. Some of us at different levels than others, but we trust you and we're looking to you for you are the strength of our life. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Help us as a nation to cry out to you for our healing, Lord. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for allowing me to do that. And thank you for participating in that prayer. Continue to pray. There are no quick answers there. But it is appropriate, I think, in a show titled Life Hurts, God Heals, to consider the ways that life does hurt us and the paths to healing that are there. In our show, we don't really do Bible studies. Uh, our goal is not to get necessarily smarter with information, but rather to, to grow bigger and deeper within our hearts, to grow further with God in our relationship with Him. And, and, uh, and so the purpose of this show is not to defend Christianity, though there are plenty of podcasts that, that uh, do that. There is an assumption here that God is real. He's alive. He's the creator of the universe. And he's calling people to repent and come to him. And he's been doing that since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve. And we know that uh, his purposes are being worked out day by day, moment by moment, even though we don't always understand what those are. We have seen through history great redemptions great deliverance in the lives of people, in the lives of nations, and even in the lives of leaders. And that's what we're looking for. But as we look at our own lives, the purpose of this show is to consider uh, not only paths to healing, but also preventatives as well. And I think I've been the last several shows looking at some of the preventatives that will keep our relationship with God healthy and vibrant, strong, growing, enduring. Oftentimes we don't, speaking as a pastor, we don't always get or give the answers we need to real practical, difficult, uh, you know, uh, rubber-hits-the-road kinds of situations. Oftentimes, uh, a sermon or a Bible study is, is about knowing God's Word, 
And that is truly, truly important. But the purpose of this show is to is to read between the lines, to put ourselves uh, in the scriptures, so to speak. Not to redefine the scriptures, but rather to to look for meaning in the things that are not only said, but things that are not said. Uh, having the scriptures read us, so to speak, so that we can figure out paths through the assistance of the Holy Spirit toward the, the directions and the healing that we need. Because all of us have been hurt. All of us have been victims to one degree or another. And if not, it will come. The Bible does promise that, that hardship and coldness and, and persecution and suffering, it's coming. It comes. And we all experience that. But God doesn't want to leave us there. He's always directing us toward uh, places, healing of, of a way to look at uh, the hardships and the difficulties. And our prime model example is Jesus himself. He is the one I look to. And I spend a great deal of my time reflecting and meditating on his life so that I can know how to deal with hurts and how to deal with the difficulties that come. And what is God's perspective? I want God's sight, and I want God's hearing. I want to be able to hear what God hears, and see what God sees. I want His compassion in my life. I want His joy in my life. I want His mercy in my life. And I want to be able to own those qualities of being with God. I want them to be a part of me. I want them assimilated in me. I find such fantastic victories as I yield my life and submit my life to his word, his commands, because I discover that as I yield and submit, God reveals more of himself to me. And as I've spoken with and spent time with uh, believers uh, from every walk of life, I'm always astounded uh, by the depth that people have come to in their walk with God, irregardless of age. Sometimes we think, well, the it's, you know, when... When people have been in the Lord for 30 or 40 years, then they must be mature. Oh, no. I, <laughs> I will argue that because that's just not true. There, there are many static, stagnant believers who have gone to church all their life, and they are good people, but uh, they haven't grown in their relationship. And... Uh, and when life difficulties come, uh, they're simply not equipped to handle it. And I know even in my life, having been a believer, I forget now how many years I've been a believer. Uh, 40 years, maybe, something like that. And, uh, and having gone through my wilderness journey, I discovered how ill-equipped I was. And I was a pastor, and I believed I was growing. But there are so many parts to our spiritual walk that um, lack. And so that's what this 
show is about. Life hurts. God heals is looking for uh, paths to wholeness and healing, but also preventatives. And I don't want to get too far off the the introduction of our topic today, which is God revealing himself to us as we yield to him. I I I thought of this just only a couple of days ago as I was driving into work um and I was considering how um relationships in the scriptures developed over time. In other words, when uh when Moses was first introduced to God face to face, he was a bit overwhelmed at the burning bush. And he did not know all that God had in mind. God told him a few things. And as as he walked with God and as he obeyed, God began to reveal more and more of his purposes to the place where God at some point called him a friend. There was something going on in Moses' heart even before he got to the burning bush. For those 40 years that he was dwelling in the wilderness uh, with a man named Jethro and his family, and Moses got married and so forth, and and essentially was a shepherd taking care of of the ranch, let's say, (laughs) Uh, whatever that would include, you know, gardening, farming, and ranching and all that stuff. But I think along the way there was some deep reflections in Moses' life. You know, he had escaped from Egypt on a charge of murder and Pharaoh was out to kill him. It was found out that he had murdered an Egyptian who he was uh, actually just uh, trying to keep from killing one of the Israelites who was a slave there in Egypt. But in the killing of, of the Egyptian, it was found out and very quickly Moses needed to make a run for it if he was going to live. And then there was just this 40 years that the Bible doesn't address. And this is why I talk about reading between the lines. You, you want to know, well, what went on in those 40 years? And we do get a clue. I don't have the scriptures in front of me because I'm just reflecting. Okay, But I do recall that in that burning bush introduction where God asks Moses to remove his sandals. He's on holy ground. And they have this discourse with each other about what God wants to do. He wants to rescue. He's heard the cry of his people, Israel, and and, uh, he wants to rescue them. And, of course, Moses is saying, who am I, who am I, and all, all of that. But there's a little segment in there when uh, Moses asked, who shall I say sent me? And God gives his name. I am who I am. And, and it's interesting that in that exchange, God says, he talks about the holiness of his name and that his name is to be a memorial. And how he, he revealed himself to the forefathers but he never revealed his name except to Moses. And in, 
in that revelation, God, God was telling Moses, I think, saying, Moses, you're, you're special because you've spent time with me and I wanted to introduce myself to you and I'm going to give you my name. That's just one incident. And then, you know, later on, as, uh, as the book of Exodus unfolds, God begins to empty all of his thoughts <laughs> on Moses and, and so that he might give uh, his teaching to the people of Israel. I was thinking about Abraham. You know, when Abraham, he's been given the promise of a new land and and descendants for this new land and now he's in this process of waiting many years he waits and and then there is this this moment in time when three men who are presumably angels uh come to Abraham and uh begin a discussion and I don't again like I said I don't have the bible in front of me shame on me for not being prepared right <laughs> oh well uh, but it's my show, and so I get to do what I want. There you go. So in this exchange with Abraham, there's one. Li- there's there's an exchange when he's talking about um, where where he wants to share with Abraham what's on his heart, and 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 God says, "Shall I hide what I'm planning to do with Sodom and Gomorrah?" As if to say, you know, I have spent time with Abraham, I'm going to reveal to him what I'm going to do. And then they go into this big discussion about uh, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And of course, Abraham is deeply concerned because his nephew Lot and his family are there. But my purpose is not to go into that. You can certainly read about it in Genesis. I'm not even sure I could tell you the chapters. Okay, it's probably in the 20s something like that. So if you need to look, you can certainly look that up. I notice, for instance, uh, with David, that David as a young man is, is worshiping God. And over the intervening years of being a, a teenager who, because of his great faith in God, he's able to slay a giant, you know, named Goliath. Um, He's anointed king, but then he has to run from King Saul for more than 10 years, probably, uh, waiting for the moment when God places him on the throne. And through the prophet Nathan, God speaks great volumes to David um, about life. And, And I just see this progression of revelation. And as I was thinking about my life, even uh, in my own little puny life, I have found that as I actually devote my heart and my mind, uh, a, can I say it this way, a greater rate of seeking God? I mean, I, I always think that I'm seeking God, but now in retrospect, a great portion of my life, I'm not sure I was always seeking God. I was trying to be a a good pastor, a righteous pastor, an obedient child of God, 
And that was kind of the the parameter of it. And then there would be moments when I would want to know more and God might reveal something to me, you know, through a book or a, a show or a movie or someone, you know, talking or something, you know. Um, but I have to tell you that in these last several years, as I've given my heart more fully to the purpose of seeking God, I have found God to be constantly revealing new things about himself that I have always longed to know. And I'm, I'm struck by that fact that as I have been faithful in actually seeking his face, seeking and knocking and asking, not just for answers to prayer. That really hasn't been my seeking. My my seeking has been one of, I want to know God. I want to know what he is like. And so I, I meditate and reflect on every conversation that Jesus has, that the apostles have in the book of Acts that uh, the the teachings and uh, I don't force feed myself by reading tons and tons and tons of the scriptures I don't do that as much anymore I focus on bits and pieces and I I meditate on those and um, I'm just finding that now as like if if I want to know something it's it's so strange to me that I ask the Lord, and I am not kidding, it will either be within five minutes or within a few hours, God will give me an answer that I need. It might be over a life circumstance. It might be over a relationship, what to do, how to do it. It might be over um, uh, uh, perhaps a prayer that I've asked for on behalf of someone else an intercessory i'm just i'm 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 blown away blown away and it's almost as if i i haven't been seeking the answers i have really just been seeking a relationship with god where i'm asking god for help and he reveals and folks it's just a marvelous thing and so I'm, my encouragement in this show is a daily seeking of God. I'm always struck by, we don't know a lot about Isaac. There's not a lot in scripture that's spent about Isaac. But what I do observe about Isaac, there are a couple of places in the Bible where it, it talks about how he is meditating. Praying and meditating. I love that. I love that. And it seems when you look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Isaac has the least amount of conflict <laughs> in his life. He has the least amount of anxiety, concern, worry. Jacob wrestles with God. Abraham has constant anxiety about, you know, what is God doing? Always wondering, wondering, wondering what God is doing in his life because he has to wait uh, for so long. But with Isaac, 
There's this beautiful contentment. And God grants him every desire of, of his. It's, it's just a beautiful story of Isaac. And, and so I'm just reiterating as these things come to mind that there is good value in seeking the face of God. I do encourage you to read devotionals wherever they are. That's a good thing. To certainly read the scriptures uh, as daily as you can. and and uh, um, But not for information. There's a time to study for information. And I encourage you to do that. Um, you know, as, as pastors, uh, we certainly do our share of study. But I'm... I also want to tell you that studying uh, rarely saves us from sin or despair, (laughs) okay, or anxiety or worries or lust or greed. Studying doesn't do that. Seeking the face of God, seeking what he is like, wanting to know him, that is where God loves to dwell with us and he loves to reveal answers to us. And so that's kind of how this show was birthed, was birthed out of those kinds of desires. So let me just take, I've got a a direction I want to move us in, in terms of God revealing himself to us. Uh, But I want to just take a moment so you can reflect on where we've been. Okay, that is the more we seek God's face and presence, his character, and what he's like wanting to know him, how much God begins to reveal himself to our thoughts, to our mind, to our heart. And not only that, God begins to answer concerns. He becomes a true helper through his spirit. His spirit actually comes alongside and brings about solutions to difficult problems that we have. But, okay, see, I can get carried away, but let us let me just uh, do a few announcements here. Uh, you know, our show, Life Hurts, God Heals, is found on linkedlocalnetwork.com. If you go there and, and you want to see all the episodes uh, that we have done. You just go there and then in the search window, type in Life Hurts, God Heals. Go through the the typical advertising. There's like three or four advertisements. Scroll down and then you will get to a whole series of, of our episodes, Life Hurts, God Heals. Um, this linked local network uh, actually uses Blog Talk Radio and you can find these episodes also on blogtalkradio.com and then type in the search window, Life Hurts, God Heals, and voila, it'll take you to Linked Local Network and there you will find uh, more of our episodes. Or you can go to our Facebook page, uh, Life Hurts, God Heals, and you will see a listing of all of our episodes there as well. You can also email us, Gmail us, at lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to contact us that way, lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. And there are some podcasts that 
support us and we support them. One is Community Voices Chat that is hosted every other Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. And you can check that out. And I'm sure it becomes a podcast at some point. Uh, but it's called Community Voices Chat. encourage you to check that out. And also Pillars of Franchising, a very popular show on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, which also then does become a podcast as well. So if you miss the show, you can certainly catch up. Pillars of Franchising, check that show out as well. Okay, so getting back to our the subject at hand about God revealing himself as we seek his face, as we seek him. This is not to say, and I just need to reiterate this, because God's revelation through the scripture, it's all important. It's all important. There is valuable information that helps us understand the context of 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 all the biblical characters, their life situation and circumstance, and uh, learning how to translate and the scriptures and interpret the scriptures in ways that keep us from error, keep us from putting our own interpretations on the scriptures. That's a real big danger. Um, but we try as interpreters to to use rules of hermeneutics, that is the art of interpreting ancient ancient documents, and the Bible is certainly an ancient document, so that we reach a solid conclusion about what is being meant uh, when something is said. And of course, there's all kinds of literature in the scriptures. And, and uh, so all that to say that it does take some study to understand, you know, uh, some of the things in Scripture. What I love about translations, and this is just a little secret, maybe I should whisper this. When you have a translation like the New International Version or the New American Standard or the English Version or the Century or, uh, you know, dozens of other interpretations, or sorry, not interpretations, translations, It's here's the little secret. You know there are dozens and dozens, sometimes even hundreds of theologians working together to study all that stuff about the scriptures so that you don't have to. <laughs> that is, you don't need to know the Hebrew languages and you don't need to know the Greek languages and you don't need to know all the tenses and uh, you don't need to know all the English or literary terms and and uh, all the nuances. You You don't even need to know too much about hermeneutics or interpreting because they do it for you and reasonably accurately. No matter what translation you get, you're going to get a reasonably accurate understanding of God's Word. So they do the work for you. And so really for us, reading God's Word, meditating on it, reflecting on it, and guiding our lives by it that is, that's what God loves to see. He loves to see that. That was the design of the testimony, both the Old Testament testimony and the New Testament testimony. Okay? All right. That's the little secret for you <laughs> for today. Okay. So getting back to growing in God, the reason I think this is a preventative, is this seeking, is, is you know, the Bible... The Bible, particularly in the book of 1 John, and I'm currently uh, doing a study in 1 John, 
it is amazing to me that um, the Apostle John, when he when he's writing, uh, he writes with big ideas in mind. He's kind of like a philosopher, but he's also like an artist because he loves to use uh, metaphors and pictures and images and and symbols to help the average Joe and Jane understand just how magnificent the coming of Jesus the Messiah really was and continues to be. So he he uses these wonderful pictures and big ideas. And what I mean by big idea, big ideas are in in for instance in the book of 1 John, but also tremendous amounts of similar writings in his gospel, the book of John. He spends a lot of time focusing on truth. Truth. And you know, if if you went to college and you attended a philosophy class, usually one of the opening discussions that that philosopher will do to create discussion, argument, debate, and so forth, he'll ask the question and then send you home uh, wanting you to write a paper on answering the question, what is truth? And there's lots of debate about whether truth can be known, if there is in fact truth or not, how do we know it, all those kinds of things. And my point is not to get there. My point is simply to say that John teaches that the truth, extraordinarily so, is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is in him and in him alone. He, and, and how would John know this? Well, because John actually saw Jesus do things only God could do. And John lived with that, <laughs> if you can imagine. He, he tasted and touched it and, and handled Jesus, you know, was his friend. They ate breakfast and meals together. They walked together. They worked together. John saw amazing miracles by the thousands. He was absolutely convinced, particularly after Jesus, crucified, dead and buried, rose again. And now John was eating and drinking and walking and learning from the risen Christ, the risen Messiah. He was absolutely convinced that this man is truth because he defines what truth is. He's the great definition. And that is, in my mind, so important for us. So important for us. And to get more to our topic, I we, we just have to jump in here. Okay, one of the things that uh, is amazing to me with John's writing, particularly in First John, is he writes in a lot of black and white contrast. There's very little gray area with John. For instance, in First John two verse fifteen, he says, "Do not love the world or anything in the world." That makes sense, right? As believers. This is what Jesus taught. Jesus didn't 
Jesus knew the world was trouble, and there was trouble in the world. And, uh, and so John is reiterating this message. Do not love the world or anything in the world, but even the do not love the world or anything. Now, you know what? Today we would say, well, you can love some things, <laughs> right? That's what we do as Americans. We, we, we don't like to be shut out of some things that we might want to love. But John creates this black and white. Do not love the world. Or, now he gets specific, anything in the world. Anything in the world. What does that mean? Now, I'm, I'm just going to throw out some thoughts here. You have to decide what that means. Anything in the world. Does that mean if I love my car, I shouldn't love my car? <laughs> if I love sports, should I love sports? If I love food, should I love food? So ponder that just for a moment. Okay. John goes on. He says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Ooh. That's a big ouch, isn't it? What a huge contrast. Why isn't there any gray area here? <laughs> I want to love some things in the world. But he says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, now in verse 16, he defines the world. He says, for everything in the world, here's the definition, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. Verse 17, the world and its desires pass away, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. These are huge contrasts, aren't they? So, if everything in the world is defined by the cravings of sinful man, well, let's just put Chris in there. That's me. The cravings of Chris. What is it that I lust after? What is it that I crave, that I'm saying that I need to live? And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, I won't be happy unless I get it. Cravings. Do you crave a certain kind of food? That, that is something you must have or you're going to be a grouch. I know we do funny sayings with coffee, cafe, right? If I don't get my coffee, I'm not the right person. <laughs> I'm a different person. I'm a beast, whatever. But I am not going to make that a gray area. You see what I just did? I'm, I'm giving uh, rationales for my cravings. And I put a little humor on it. Just because. But John doesn't do that. Remember, he said, do not love the world or anything in the world. But he defines the world as not 
earth, God made the earth, the beauty of a sunset, or birds, or flowers, or the clouds, or lightning, or whatever, all those beautiful things, oh, I love to see those, but I'm not craving it. What is it that I crave? And he continues, the lust of his eyes, the overwhelming, out-of-control desire of his eyes. What is it that is out of control desire in my eyes that I must have or I won't be happy? And then, that's just part of the world. He says, and the boasting of what he has or has acquired. Boasting, boy, that's a big problem in me. I'm just going to be honest with you. I have struggled with that all of my life because I have wanted to be successful. I craved success. I craved importance. Just being honest there. Where I am in my life now, I don't crave that. I used to, but I will tell you this, it's a temptation. I can go down that bunny trail. I can slide into the swamp very quickly. So let me re- reread this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone, even Chris, loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now that's a real black and white. You mean that, boy, the moment that I am craving lusting or boasting that the Father is not in me? No, that's not what he's saying. If the love of the world is in Chris, then the love of the Father is not. It's not the, it's not the Father's love for me. The Father's love is always for me, always for you. But God wants to see and produce his love in us. Kingdom love. Agape love for others. Generous, sacrificial love for others. He wants to produce that kind of love in us. And he's doing that as we yield to him. He's doing that through his Holy Spirit. So he's saying, if anyone loves the world, and remember, he's speaking to believers. He's not speaking to unbelievers. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to Christians. If you, Christian, love the world, you need to recognize you've made a choice. And that choice means the love of the Father is not growing in you. It's not in you. Everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, that doesn't come from the Father. That comes from the world. That comes from being trained in the world. But you and I, we've been born again to a living hope. The old has passed. The new has come. You and I, we are new creations, born again. And so God has now placed in us a new nature. 
and his indwelling presence, his spirit. But there is a conflict, isn't there? Even Paul talked about this conflict in Romans chapter 7. The things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I want to do, I don't do. Oh, this war that is in me, who will rescue me? Well, Jesus does. There's no condemnation for having the war. Did you hear what I said? Paul's answer in Romans 8 is, therefore there is now no condemnation in Christ. The fact that you are having a conflict in your life says everything that you belong to the Lord. If you were not having a conflict and you were in agreement with the world, well, I would question whether the Holy Spirit actually is dwelling within you. But the very fact that you are in conflict, that you feel guilt for, your, for the thoughts you're thinking or, the, or where your eyes are leading to, to or the boasting that is, is happening within your heart and, and you're doing it but you're conflicted about it. You feel bad about it. Okay, That's a good sign, folks. That tells me you're a child of God. Okay, But we shouldn't be content just with the conflict because the whole point of Romans chapter 8 is that we are more than overcomers through him who loved us. And that's the whole point of John here. John is waking us up to the idea that the world and its desires are passing away, but the one who does, who makes the choice to live from the Father, to live in the will of God, they are the ones that will live forever. Okay, I hope I, I made that okay uh, for you, understandable at least. And I just want to give a little... Uh, this is so important. And it's kind of an expanse to this idea of, this, of, of black and white. Okay? That there's very little gray. I just want to call your attention to the idea that... Uh, I've even heard this in seminary when I was uh, getting a master's degree. That there, there's this... There's this idea that is capturing the Christian world that people are in process of becoming believers. Okay? That is to say, um, if someone is on a journey coming to God, um, then they're probably with God because they're, they're heading God's way. And I just want to suggest to you that what John is saying here is there, there's no such thing as a person is sort of saved. The word sort of really bothers me. <laughs> okay. Sort of saved. It's kind of redefining the idea of commitment. Well, I'm sort of committed. Because what it, what it allows for is this huge gray area in our life where we can entertain the world, the cravings and the lust and the boasting. Okay, We can entertain the world and we can entertain God's presence in our life. But remember, Jesus says, you, you can't serve mammon. 
and God. You got to make a choice. It's a black and white. There is no, well, I'll sort of. You know what the answer is? You need to sort this out. You need to decide where you're going to be. It's kind of like saying, well, this is kind of a sin, but not really. But nowhere do I see the apostles or Jesus saying, well, this is sort of a sin, kind of a sin, creating these gray areas. You can't really say, for instance, I kind of love God. You either love God or you don't. And if you love God, then you will be yielding yourself in such a way that you are increasing in your love for others. Because that's really the, how we know that we love God. John tells us this in his letter. You know, the way we know uh, that God's love is complete in us is that we love others. That we don't harbor hate in our heart or resentment. Those kinds of things. There's no sort of kind of. And yet we allow all these sort ofs and kind ofs in our heart. And I'm not saying that it's our fault, your fault. Okay. I think this is a problem in the American church. And why am I addressing this? And then we need to just end the show. Because whether whether the church has caused this because of the diversity of our of our nation and our wealth and our desire for many, many choices, I'm sure all of that contributed. But my purpose is not to work all that out. My, my purpose here is for us to get back to uh, a black and white where there is very little gray. You're either with me, with God, or you're not. Um, and the reason I bring this up is because when it comes to healing in our lives, folks, I firmly believe this after years and years of counseling uh, people, that a lot of the problems that are created in our life are because we have lots of gray areas. We feed ourselves so much of the world that the love that God wants in us is dampened down so much so that we can hardly hear, hardly even sense the love of God in us. Okay? That gray area allowing for the sort ofs and the kind ofs in our life not only uh, creates this confusion. Uh, that allows problems in, but it also creates a confusion about where to go and what to do and what needs to happen in my life so I can find healing and wholeness. And my suggestion to you is to take all of the, the confusing aspects of your life with God and begin to identify where where the black and white is and what's gray and begin to make decisions this needs to be moved into the world and out of my life 
And this needs to be moved fully into the will of God as a part of my life. That is to say, I'm going to start doing this full time and I'm going to stop doing this other thing um, that is not a part of my life, nor should it be. That's, that's the whole point of the show today. I'm encouraging you that with that. And I don't want to give you all the answers because as you reflect with God, taking moments and just meditating on these things, and letting God reveal to you in your life the different areas that you might be struggling with. And then, moving yourself into the will of God. Oh my. When you start doing this, folks, you are on a journey of God revealing himself to you more fully. Where God will say... I'm not going to hide this from Chris. I want to show Chris what I'm doing. I'm going to tell him. And then suddenly I have this thought that I know I didn't come up with. I'm not that creative and smart. But that it came from his spirit speaking to my mind. And I go, oh, this makes so much sense. Oh, and it heals it literally heals something, a wound in my life. That's what I want for you. That's what I'm praying for you, for everyone who listens to this broadcast. I actually do pray these things for you. Thanks for listening in. I hope this is helpful. I know we could talk more about this, and maybe in the coming episodes we will. But for now, God bless you in Jesus' name.